0: Today, today, today with Jeff Vines. My name's Aaron, and you're listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, we're continuing with Pastor Jeff from a message he started last time in the book of Romans, chapter 8. He's talking about winning the battle against earthly temptations, which you and I both face, by choosing to pursue holiness and the purity of the power of God that lives within us. It's all part of our series titled Renovations of the Heart, and if you've missed any of these episodes so far, don't worry, you can catch up wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines. But for now, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of the message.
1: Uh, Cowboys and Stiller fans, they have a disdain too and I understand this one because I grew up a Cowboy fan and the, the reason we hate, and I know it's a strong word, disdain the Stillers is because they took Super Bowls away from us. Forget they were better, but we still are angry and we don't give up very easily. But I had no idea until I started reading in preparation for the playoffs. I had no idea. I don't know. Call me stupid. Call me ignorant. I don't know. I just did not know the hatred that the Cubs and Cardinals have for each other. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You got no idea. This hatred is unbelievable. This next slide is the one I really like. I don't often hate, but when I do, I prefer to hate the St. Louis Cardinals. (laughs) Most of these would never have anything whatsoever to do with the other side because they have a radical allegiance to their team. A Dodger fan would never wear a Giants jersey into Dodger Stadium because you shall surely die. (laughs) A Giants fan would never order a bunch of Dodger dogs and sell them at a game up in San Francisco as Dodger dogs. You say what is your point? Here is the point. It is very difficult to hang out with the devil for two weeks and then rebuke him on the third week. It is insane to think you can walk and step with the wicked then experience victory in the way of the righteous. It's it's downright impossible to hang out with evil on Monday to Friday, then expect to dwell in the house of the Lord on Sunday. It's foolish to delight in idolatry on Friday night, then expect to find satisfaction in true worship on Sunday morning. It's impossible to plant your tree in the desert and expect to find streams of living water. This is a radical allegiance that we have, and there's no compromise. I can't for the life of me understand why I'm meeting men today, and they feel quite comfortable in dropping the F-bomb as a Christ follower, and it's their way of saying, well we're men, we're tough, we're saved by grace through faith, so I can do whatever I want. You've got to be kidding me guys, really? Let me read to you a little section of Ephesians 5, follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children. Among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, but he doesn't stop there, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. Those Greek words put together mean no word that either has no meaning or that is slain. You with me? None of that, which are out of place, but if you're going to talk, talk about thanksgiving. For you were once in darkness, but now you're in the light of the Lord, live as children of light, and find out what pleases the Lord, have nothing to do, nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So a real man would walk up to another man who confesses to be a Christian and say, dude, that language, let me ask you something. Would Jesus drop the F-bomb? Was Jesus any less a man? He's the real man, man. He takes the sins of the world to the cross. Please. Come on. We're pursuing holiness and purity, man. And freedom does not mean autonomy. Freedom means that we're free from the law, free to do the things that the law requires, but do it in a way of grace and pleasing God, not appeasing. Know the spirit of the age, number six. Almost done. Stay with me. Know the spirit of the age. Any of you remember Gary Hart? Some of you will. He was a US Senator in Colorado from 75 to 1987. He sought the democratic nominee for president in 84 and 88. There can be no doubt if you know your democratic history here, he was on the rise to become president. He had a double digit lead over his nearest competitor in the democratic nomination. And then the rumors of an affair with Donna Rice hit the pages of the media. Even though no one really ever proved or substantiated every, anything. He had to step out of the race. The rumors were enough in that time of the life of our country because in those days we believed that what one does in private impacts how one will lead in public. And then Bill Clinton came along. (laughs) Now do not think this is a political argument. This is not. It's just an example I'm trying to use right now. Because Bill Clinton lied, manipulated, cheated, was an adulterer within the White House. But it really didn't matter to the Americans because we had changed, we had evolved, we had thrown away the shackles of moral law. And Besides, everybody does it and in his own words it depends on what the meaning of the word is, is. You can become desensitized by the culture that you are in, failing to understand what pleases God and you start to live like the world lives. But you are a people, remember what we said? You're more interested in J.C. than P.C., right? So even if something is P.C. and it's not J.C., Jesus Christ, you follow the way of Jesus. Even if something is readily accepted in our culture today, but if it offends Christ, you go his way. The world Who's the prince of the power of the air? The world is always going to move away from God, not toward him. It's the world system in which we live. But you and I stay the course. And if you don't remember the spirit of the age that you're in, you can become desensitized and start to go the way of the world. And if that's what you do, you can never put to death the flesh. I said a few weeks ago that our time is coming, that we're going to be persecuted like so many other Christians around the world have been persecuted for generations. Why? Because we believe that sex is between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. We believe that life in the womb is sacred. We believe the Bible is the moral point of reference. We believe that what one does in private impacts what one does in public. We believe that marital faithfulness is honorable. and Because we stand for those types of things they are going to hate us and want to silence the shackles of morality that the church brings. And In our world we are in a time when the fences of decency are being moved every year. And Before you think that you're in good standing with God, even though you've crossed the moral border, you've got to wake up to the reality that if you're not careful, you'll become desensitized by a culture moving away from God, and you'll start to think like they think. That's why the Bible warns you time and time again. Think about it. In the greatest theological treaties ever written, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, just sometime, those of you who like to study scripture, just look at that from every side, Because he says, don't be conformed. And he uses the word suscomitizo. Do not be conformed. And what suscomitizo means is this. Don't allow an outer shell to be visible in such a way to contradict who you truly are on the inside. That's an amazing word, isn't it? So, In other words, we know who we are. The real us, we know who that is. So he says, don't let your outer shell betray who you truly are on the inside. Don't be conformed. He says, but be transformed. Metamorpho or metamorphio, which is metamorphosis. And that word means let the outside, let the inside escape into the outside to become the real you on the outside that you are on the inside. It's the whole process of a, a, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. The real, he's always a butterfly. And the real him gets out and begins to look like what he truly is on the inside. And He says you do that by renewing your mind, which is a Greek word that means to adjust your vision. But it's a, a word that means adjust your vision and keep on adjusting your vision. He said if you don't keep on doing this all the time, you will drift, you will slide. And So here's what I ask you, very practical. If you're serious about this, what music do you listen to? What books are you reading? Are you in a group of accountability? What do you spend your time thinking about? What kind of friends have you chosen? All of this is part of God's way to constantly make you aware and to renew your mind and to adjust your vision to see things as God sees. Someone said the ship belongs in the water of the world, but if the water gets in, the ship sinks. You can't saturate your mind with the enemy's philosophy and then be expected to live by the code of the king. Now here's the end, and I want you to wake up. Number seven, do not open the door for sin's entry. Now we're getting serious. Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So if you're serious about the battle, you're going to close the door before it ever opens and you're never going to put yourself in a position where the thief may come in and destroy. I had a youth pastor in New Zealand, I've said this before, named Bill Kirshner. Bill came to me, he was getting close to his 30s and he said, Pastor Jeff, as you know, I'm single and I'm not married. I really want to be married and I'm dating a lot more than I ever had and I just want, I want to make an accountability with you. I, I want us to make an agreement that every time I go out on a date that after that date I have to call you and that you will promise to ask me if I behaved Christ-like with this girl. And If I know that after every date I have to call you, it's going to help me to be strong. And he would often quote the verse out of Job that says this, 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. And Bill would call me after every date and I would ask him the questions. He also said I'm not ever going to bring her back to my apartment where we're alone. No way. We're always going to be in public. We can date, we can walk in the park, but we're always going to be where people can see us. Don't have a computer, guys, in your private place. Have it in the open. Don't have a porn channel guys. If it comes with a package, cancel it. Don't spend hours talking to her in the parking lot after work because you are not married to her. Don't meet privately with him ladies for business discussions. If he wants to meet privately you demand that you meet somewhere where the door is open or in a cafe somewhere where he's accountable. Romans 13, 14 says make no provision for the flesh. here's the thing about this guy. He's mortally wounded, but you can wake him up. Because if you put yourself in positions where sin can resurrect, you know what he does? Whoa, somebody opened the door. Something's going on here. I feel like I'm getting new life. Resurrected. Woo, look at this. Let a sleeping dog lie. Don't give him a foothold. There's a story that I've been hearing a lot pastors are using. It's actually a a plagiarism from Aesop's fable. Uh, call The Farmer and the Viper. And the story of the modern day parable is a little different, but it goes like this. A woman hits a snake with a car. She feels pity. She nourishes him back to a full state of health. And after she does that, the snake promptly bites her, injects her with poison. And as she lay dying, she looks at the snake and says, how could you do this after all I've done for you? And his response is, you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. You get it? Yeah. What are you considering picking up that you think won't bite you? It will. I promise. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but the death and disintegration that's happening on the inside will go to the outside. And then finally, remind yourself that the enemy has the goods on you. This is so important. I, I want to give credit where credit is due here because I, this, cha- this passage changed my life in my 30s and it was by John MacArthur. I heard a message when he came to New Zealand, and I also read his commentary on this section because I was so interested in his take on it. Let me read it to you. It's the word that will not return void, so rather than summarize, let me read it. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death the the structure of the greek in verse 14 when it talks about by their own evil desire and enticed is James way of saying this to you that the devil has the goods on you that he knows your personal weakness and that's what he's going to hone in on and just when you think you're starting to make progress isn't it amazing if you have an addiction of some kind, you're going along, everything's good, 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 boom, out of nowhere, you're put in a position. You think that's by accident. My father, uh, I think I've told this before when we lived up in Cincinnati, Ohio and he came to see his grandson which would have been Delaney at that time. He drives all the way from Tennessee to Cincinnati and he, we don't even make it to the apartment to see Delaney because we stop at the Brandy Chase apartment office. And he starts talking to the manager because there was this big pond out in front of the apartments, and there was a sign. And evidently, uh, the sign said something to do with who can catch old Sam. And so the manager of the apartment said, Yeah, we got a we got a, a carp, we got a catfish in there that's wreaking havoc on our pond and nobody can catch him. Well, my dad's from Tennessee. And you know if you open the trunk of my car, you're going to have golf clubs and golf shoes and golf balls and golf gloves, everything golf. You just open it up. It's like a, it's like a golfsmith in the back of my car. You open my dad's trunk, it's like Bass World. Every fishing rod and reel and lure you could ever imagine. My dad, with a big smile on his face, walks over to the trunk, gets out a can of corn, and a favorite lure, and he walks over to the edge. And he pours the, he holds the corn in and pours the juice out in a certain part of the, just leaning over. And then he, uh, then he pours some corn on top and then he puts his favorite hook on and he throws it in. I bet you, it, I'll, I guarantee it couldn't have been more than three minutes that he had old Sam up on the pole. And he held it up. By this time there's a little crowd out there and they're, yeah, yeah. At which point my dad smiled and threw him back in. You got to know my dad. That's the point. I said, Dad, how'd you do this? You just gotta he said there's one bait that every fish can't resist. He's got the goods on you. And if you're aware that he's got the goods on you, when that thing that keeps destroying you comes, you're gonna you're gonna get angry and you're gonna say, Oh, you oh man. Oh. Because what he wants you to do is fail so that he can remind you of your failure, so you'll give up your Christian walk. Because see he still operates by works of the law, not by grace. And when you learn what's really going on and he reminds you of your past, you'll start reminding him of his future. that he may have the goods on you, but you got the goods on him and he's going down. And he's just mad and trying to take as many with us with him as possible. But you can stand strong, you can win. You can defeat the enemy. I want to ask a big favor. It just needs to be done. But I'm challenging you to do three things in your life. One, I'm challenging you to saturate your mind with scripture. I'm just challenging you that every day, even if it's one verse of scripture, just one during your lunch break, on your iPhone, iPad, Just you don't even have to sit and study it. But if every day you'll put one verse of scripture into your life, guess what's going to happen? As you get older and older, you're going to have so much in there and the Spirit of God will activate it at the right time and right place and give you victory over the temptation. But if you if you never do that and you keep putting it off like most of us did, then you'll just remain biblically illiterate and the Spirit of God won't have any ammunition to help you fight this battle. So I'm just asking you, make a commitment at breakfast or lunch, one scripture, just one passage. Start in the book of John, read one verse. Start in the book of John, read one verse every day. If the spirit leads you and you get interested, I want to read one, you know, just keep reading. Don't ever feel guilty if you miss. Don't feel like that way because that's the enemy. You don't stand in condemnation anymore for those who are in Christ Jesus. Make a commitment that you're going to saturate your mind with one verse a day. Two, young ladies and young men, commit to purity. I want to tell you something that my pastor never told me and that people won't tell you, okay? If you can wait till you're married to engage in sex, let me tell you what's going to happen. And you know I'm a sinner. I got issues in my life, but this is one area of my life that I got right because I had a mom and dad that told me why that I was to wait until marriage. Okay, listen to me. So this is from experience, not only the Bible, but from experience. If you will wait until you're married and you will save yourself to give yourself to the one that enters into covenant with you, your intimacy is going to be off the charts. It's going to be it's going to be like you never can. Here's why. Because you're going to learn together. and When you learn together and you give yourself to each other in a commitment of marriage and you know there's no baggage behind you and there's no husband wondering what it was like when you were with him or no woman wondering what it was like when you were with her, it, there brings such a freedom and a trust that the intimacy is off the charts. I don't care what you've done yesterday or the past, forget that. Forget it. From here on out that you're going to remain pure. That you're going to have the spirit overwhelm the flesh. And you're going to enter into intimacy in the context of marriage. And until then, you're not going to give yourself to a man or to a girl. You're not going to give yourself to each other until you've made the covenant of marriage. And third, that you would commit to fight for your life. If you will saturate your mind with scripture and you will remain pure and holy as best you can to the marriage ceremony and that you will fight this battle with God and you know you're in a battle. You, let me tell you, the problems and things that you're seeing out here, you will be able to escape so much of it. But if you just keep going the way everybody else is going, you're going to end up like everybody else is, is done. We've got 20% depression epidemic in our country. Anxiety is on, a, on the rise among your age group. If you want, if you, if you are really wanting healing internally and you want that peace and you want that sense of purpose and you want to know what God wants to do with you and you want to hear from God, remember what I said: you can't dance with the devil and then want to hear from God. No. No. Pursue God. And the more you pursue God and the more faithful you are to Him, you're gonna hear His voice. That's not audible, but you're gonna recognize it when it comes. And there's gonna be such a peace and certainty in you that you're gonna be able to to live the life you've always wanted. I'm asking you to do those things. Father in heaven, I pray that you would cause your face to shine on every person standing. I pray that you would open their eyes right now to how much you do love them and how much indeed you want them to live the abundant life and how that you have given your precepts to us not to bind us, but to free us To live a life that is not ruled by the flesh, but is ruled by the Spirit of God in us. I pray you'd give them courage. I pray that you would help them to acknowledge that they are living in a world that is moving away from God, not towards you. And in doing so, that they would make a commitment to saturate their minds with the Word of God every day. They would make a commitment to remain sexually pure to the marriage day. And then, Father, that you would open their eyes that this is a battle. And I pray that they would remember, oh, God, that they would remember this day that they heard the message, that they heard what you're willing to do when we follow you closely. And I pray that in this group before me right now on all campuses, I pray there would be presidents. I pray there would be doctors and lawyers and I pray there would be missionaries and preachers and teachers, but most importantly, I pray there would be Christ followers and that the way this generation follows Christ is so compelling that the next generation comes to you in droves because of their ministry and because of their transparency and because of how real they really are. It's all of our prayer in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.
0: You've been listening to Today with Jeff finds. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff finds wherever you listen to podcasts.